Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I got everybody crying. Uh, we can go ahead and start the message. Mother Day, Mother's Day is very difficult to do a message. It's very difficult to do a message on Mother's Day because there's all kinds of emotions that come around because when you talk specifically about family, and by the way, Father's Day is difficult too because you talk specifically about family, and the truth of the matter is, is that some of you guys may not have had moms like that. Maybe it was right the opposite, and so it's very difficult sometimes to talk um, and then there's some people, you know, who are here who desperately want to be a mom, but God hadn't blessed you to be a mom yet, and you're still waiting on that, and that can be difficult. As a matter of fact, I'm sure there's people that didn't come today because they don't want to hear a message about Mother's Day. And so it's very difficult oftentimes to do a message on Mother's Day, but I tell you, I really feel like God gave me something this week uh, to share with you, and I want you to do something. Now, guys, you're not going to like this. I want to tell you right now. Guys don't like doing stuff like this, but ladies, you guys can keep your eyes open. But guys, I want you to close your eyes right now. And ladies, if you're sitting near a guy, make sure their eyes are closed. All right? So every, every guy in here, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Guys, I want you to imagine your life. I want you to imagine your wife and your kids, your coworkers. I want you to imagine every aspect of your life right now. Just let it scan before you. And then I want you to imagine every woman in your life, every girl in your life going away. What would your life be like? What would your life be like, guys, if every woman that you surround yourself with, your daughters, your mom, your wife, coworkers, relatives, sisters, what would it look like to you? You can open your eyes now, guys. I did that this week, and mine looked like Snicker bars and Mountain Dews in the refrigerator. (laughs) And unhealthy food everywhere and misery everywhere. That's what mine looked like. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Blake, can you go get me a bottle of water, please? Guys, I want to be honest with you about something. I'm very transparent up here. I'm actually not feeling well right now. Thanks, Blake. You drank out of it. (laughs) I'm going to try to get through this sermon, but I'm actually not feeling well right now. So we may give you your gifts and you can go home. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Here's what it says. It says this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could call, uh, what he could call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no, and that's important, but still there was no helper just right for him. And you know the story. It says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, he exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You may think, ladies, that this is going to be a sermon about how much of a helper that Adam needed. And it kind of is, but it's a little different. Because if all you did is read through chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, and then go and look throughout the Old Testament, you would see an example of how oftentimes women and their role are, are, are actually depreciated and how, how men's role is oftentimes elevated. If you read this, you would think that. But here's what I want you to understand. When God spoke about a helper, the word he used there was ezer, E-Z-E-R. All right? E-Z-E-R. Now, I want to tell you this about the ezer, what an ezer is. In the scriptures, the word ezer was used two times for women. Two times. It was used three times for a nation. Same word, same meeting, same everything. A nation that helped Israel in battle. But the word Ezer was used 16 times as it relates to God. 16 times. The same word that, God, that, that the scriptures chose to talk about how God is our rescuer and how he is our helper in times of need, that same word was used for what Adam needed in the garden. The same word, the same exact word was used. As a matter of fact, there's a psalm, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. And you guys know this psalm. It, it says, I will lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? That psalm, where does my help come from? And then it finishes by, by talking about how the help comes from the, the, the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. That word where it says, where does my help come from? The word is, where does my ezer come from? Where is it that my help comes from? Well, it's my ezer. It's, it's the one who rescues me. It's the one who sees a need and comes in and rescues me and brings me out and makes me better and sets me up on a hill and does things for me and helps me become a better version of who I am. And that's exactly what God does for us. And guys, I don't know about you, but that's exactly what my wife and many wives and ladies all throughout history have done is to come down and to be a helper. Now remember, in the, in the garden, there was no kitchen. There wasn't an oven. 
There was no broom or mop. There was no food to cook. There was no house to keep. There was none of that. And it's amazing because when God made the trees, he said, and it was good. And when God made the birds, it was good. And, and, and when he made the heavens and the earth, it was good. And the water, it was good. And the animals, it was good. And everything was good except for the fact that man needed an easer in order to function the way God would have him function. And that is the role of a strong Woman, that's what women do. That's exactly what women do. It's interesting because nowhere in Scripture will you see where it says, and Adam understood that he was alone. You know what it says? And God looked down and he saw that Adam was alone and he was lonely and it wasn't good for him to be lonely. So what did he end up doing? He ended up making him an easer, a help. What does the scripture say about women? What does the scripture say about being a strong woman? I'll tell you, there's some examples of what scripture says and here's the first one. And I want you to hear this. Jesus gave us an example of the importance and the value of women. Jesus gave us an example of the value and the importance of women. I want you to know something. They lived in a society that was patriarchal. They lived in a society. When Jesus came into existence, whenever he, whenever he was born of a woman, he came into existence and he came into a society that was patriarchal. What does that mean? It meant this, and this is crazy. It meant that, they, that women had no rights. They had no value, basically. They were basically like property. They were basically like property, and here's exactly what would happen, and this is crazy. The people that would pray in the temple would say this, Lord, thank you so much that you did not create me to be a woman. Now, I've said that a couple of times, but it has to do with having to wear high heels and makeup and all that stuff. Isn't that crazy? They would literally pray, thank you that you did not make me like that woman. Thank you that you made me a man. That's how they viewed women. Did you realize that Christianity, did you realize that Christianity, of the major religions, do you realize that Christianity is the only one that places high value on women? Did you know that? Jesus placed high value. He gave us an important example of the importance and the value of women. It's amazing. In Luke chapter 13, there's a scenario that plays out. There's a lady that is, is wanting to get healed. And she comes into the temple. Now, the, the, the ladies had to stay in the outer courts. They couldn't even come to the inner courts. And so Jesus is in the outer courts, and there's a lady that comes up to be healed. And it's the Sabbath. And you got the Pharisees standing around, and Jesus says, Jesus talks to the lady, and he heals her. And the Pharisees go, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You healed this lady. Uh, there's plenty. There's six days to heal. Why did you heal her on the Sabbath? And here's what he says to him. This is found in Luke chapter 13, verse 16. He said this, this dear woman, and then here's the line, a daughter of Abraham. You know what that is? Where have you heard something of Abraham before? I'll tell you where you've heard it. You've heard sons of Abraham. But Jesus went a step further and said, she is a daughter of Abraham. You know what that means? You know what that, we can't hear that today with the ears that they had, but here's what he was saying. 
I want you to understand something. That person is equal to this person. That person is a daughter of Abraham and a son of Abraham, and they are equal. Different roles in life, different ways that God communicates with them, different ways that they communicate with each other, but they are equal. And that was a radical thing. They have equal worth. In John chapter 4, there's a lady at the well. And this is a funny thing that plays out if you know the background because Jesus comes up and he starts talking to this lady and this lady's like, uh, major party foul. Why are you talking to me? Because I'm a Samaritan. Why are you here during the middle of the day? Because you're not supposed to be here. Why are you in Samaria? Because you're not supposed to be here because we're supposed to hate each other. And last but not very least, I am a woman. Why would you even, as a rabbi, why would you waste your time even talking to me? And you see something amazing happen because his disciples come back and they come back and they see the woman walking off and they're like, Why, 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 why are you talking to her? Why are you talking to her? What, what's going on? What's going on here? They're confused. Women have no value. Why, why would you talk to them for? And then something even more amazing happens. The woman goes back. She goes back to her village. And she says, come see someone who told me everything that ever happened to me in my life. Come, come see someone who told me everything about myself. And back then, in court, a lady's testimony wasn't even valid. But she came back and told the people, and they came back and visited Jesus too because they believed her, even though she was a woman. And the scripture records at the well, it says this, it says, and many and many on that day came to know him. Why? Because Jesus let everyone know that women have equal worth. It was a radical, radical approach. In Luke chapter 7, there's a sinful woman that comes and begins to anoint his head with oil. And the disciples tried to stop her, and he said, no, don't you stop her. Back then, you guys, they wouldn't even allow the women close to the rabbi. As a matter of fact, the women were all uneducated. All of them were uneducated. And the way they got their education was they would pair up with a rabbi. Usually seven to ten boys or twelve boys would pair up with a rabbi, and they would follow him around everywhere until they were 30, and then they would start their ministry. But Jesus was radical, and he said, no, you let her come to me. Why is that? Because... Jesus wanted everyone to know the importance and the value of women. In John chapter 8, there's a woman that's caught in adultery. Now, when it says caught in adultery, it said it means that she was naked. All right? And thrown out into... And by the way, I just realized this after many years of reading that story. Whenever they brought her out, they brought her to the temple. And so it would be like if we were standing here and I was teaching and someone brought a naked chick down and just threw her in the middle of the floor. And said, all right, what are you going to do now? Scripture says a stoner. What are you going to do now? And that's what happened to this lady. And what did he do? He viewed them as daughters. 
probably the most amazing thing in Jesus' ministry. And I know we don't think about this, but one of the most amazing things in Jesus' ministry is that Jesus allowed women to be part of his ministry. They followed around Christ for three years, and they were always a part of his ministry. The woman at the well, that was the first person on earth that heard that Jesus was the Messiah. Did you know that? Did you know that the first person to hear Jesus out of his own mouth say, I am the Messiah, was the woman at the well? Did you know that? It was. A foreign woman he announced it to first. Did you know that the first person to see Christ after he is resurrected was a woman? Did you know that? Do you think that was coincidence? I don't think so. Jesus gave us an example of the importance and the value of women. He did. It's amazing because I am convinced, and this is the second point, I am convinced that women bring a totally different value to our lives. They bring a, you know, I had a counselor friend one time tell me, he said, you know, I think women have this sixth sense, you know, the sixth sense, and it's a little more emotional, and it's a little more connected to their emotions, and it's a little, more, a little deeper than some of us guys have. It's almost like a sixth sense. I think that's why God was so, he, he, he was so um, obsessed with us making sure that we had a helper, making sure that we had an easer. You know, the word easer, when, when paired with Eben, which is rock, after they went over into the promised land, they wanted to set up, and so they set up 12 stones, and that was called an Ebenezer. It was a rock, a mighty rock that makes sure that you know that, was, that where God rescued them. They wanted to make sure. That, that's what Ebenezer means. Eben is rock, and Ezer is rescuer, helper. And that's the sim- symbolism. And I think God knew that. And so because God knew that, he set these things about even at the beginning of time. Women bring a totally different value to life. I want to tell you something. A couple of weeks ago, Wendy and I were talking about something, and I was, you know, you know how when you're talking to your wife, you're just kind of honest, and you kind of vent stuff, and I vented off, and, oh yeah, this is what happened, and someone had said something, it kind of ticked me off, if you want to know the truth about it, all right? Just being transparent here, it kind of ticked me off, and I, I, told, I told Wendy how what they said was wrong, and why it was this, and why it was that, and what I was going to say back, and all this stuff. And she looked at me very quietly and she said, you know, I think you're being too sensitive. And I said, yes, dear, I agree. No, no. I said, why would you say that for? Well, I think that these are things that you've dealt with in the past. It's terrible having a therapist for a a wife, by the way. I think these are things you kind of dealt with. I think you're just being a little hypersensitive there. I think you need to let that one go. Can I tell you how many times she's told me that over the years? I think you just need to let that one go. Uh, You could do that, but 15 minutes later, you're going to feel differently. Uh, You can do that, but I don't think you should do this. That's what she's done. Can you believe the abuse I have to take on a daily basis? (laughs) When I met Wendy, I was all over the place. I could literally tell you how many schools 
I did not go to in Tennessee quicker than I could tell you the schools that I went to. I had credits from everything. I'm telling you guys, I was all over the place in school. I was all over the place in my life. I was all over the place. And I started talking to her. And I liked her. And I wanted her to like me. But I didn't have a lot of value to bring to the table at that time. And she felt sorry for me. And she married me anyway. But you know who the one was that told me, all right, well, I've graduated when you start school. You know, I think I'm going to, nope, when do you start school? Well, let's move to Nashville, and I'll give it a couple years. No. What day are you starting school, and what program are you doing? That was how it went. That was exactly how it went. Can I tell you why she did that? Because she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And that's what your mom has done. And that's what your wife has done. And on and on and on and on. Because women bring a totally different value to life. Can I tell you guys something? I have never, I have rarely if ever seen a single man who has marched his kids into church. But can I tell you that I have seen countless woman after woman after woman after woman after woman after woman who has marched her kids in here. Whether or not she was married or not, those kids are going to be in church no matter what. It was a priority. Why is that? Well, because she understands the value of that. And it's on a little bit deeper level. I think women find it more easy to be plugged into their emotions and to the emotional needs of others. I've seen so many guys that I knew in high school and college that were so quote unquote hardcore and they get married and their hearts begin to soften and they begin to realize who God had them to be in the first place. You know, one of the things that I tell you all the time is, is I tell you, your goal needs to be to become that which God had in mind for you when he created you. You need to become who God had in mind for you when he created you. And for me, and I'm sure for you too, the women in my life have been a huge part of the realization of what it is that God has for me. He's used women oftentimes. Do you guys have any idea how bad our snacks out there would look if there was no women? I said, yeah, we need to have some snacks. It'll be really nice. And I brought a box of donuts and threw them out there one Sunday. And Angela and Shonut goes, uh, what's that? And I was like, well, I brought donuts. I thought it'd be good. She says, well, what are you going to display them on? And what's, what, where's the juice? And why is there no coffee? And where's this? And I said, Angela, why don't you do it? And she's regretted it ever since. <laughs> but she did it. And she did a great job with it. One of the reasons why people, uh, women especially, don't, don't want to come on Mother's Day sometimes is because maybe they're not a mom. Maybe they're not a mom. or Maybe they'll ever have the opportunity to be a mom. or maybe. But I want to tell you something. I want, to tell you, I want you to hear this. You don't have to have a child to be a mom. 
I want you to hear that. You don't have to be a child to be a mom. You don't have to be a child. You don't have to have a child to be a mom. You definitely don't have to be a child to be a mom. <laughs> we would prefer you not. Um, you, don't, you don't have to have a child to be a mom. I've got a former student of mine that I messaged this week. About two and a half years ago, she felt called to start helping kids in the Department of uh, Children's Services in DFAC. She felt called to start helping them. And so she became a foster parent as a single girl. She became a foster parent at the age of 27. And she kept three kids, and they just had to go back. And I sent her a message this week, and I said, hey, listen, I'm talking about you in the sermon this week. And she said, oh, Lord. (laughs) And I said, I'm telling them about how you don't have to have a biological kid to be a mom. You don't have to do that. You can be a mom and and not have your own kids. And she said, Barry, you know what's funny? I said, what's that? She said, I'm sitting in DFAC's office right now. I'm picking up a three-year-old boy right now as we speak, and he's going to come to our home. He's going to come to my home, and I'm going to take care of him. You don't have to have kids to be a mom. Can I tell you, I have had a lot of moms in my life. When I'm sitting right there, I didn't know she was coming today. I had it in the notes. Pat Spradlin, from the time she met me, she goes, Lord, he needs a mama. And she has, she has given me more advice. And you know what I love about Pat? She's straightforward. There's no fluff. There's, nope, this is what you need to do. Okay, awesome, let's do it. And that's what I do. I think about a lady at Palmetto Baptist who basically, I would go in her, and she was a children's pastor there. Her name is Virginia Munn. And I would go lay on the couch and she would sit there and talk to me. VA, she was my mom. There was a lady at my former church that every time I would, I literally, I have allergies. And every time I would sniffle, the next day she would bring me a huge pot of chicken noodle soup. She'd just bring it in. She also brought homemade cough medicine with liquor in it, which I liked. <laughs> but she did. She made a huge, huge pot of chicken noodle soup. And I'd say, what's that for? Well, I just know she was sick. She knew my mom was five and a half hours away. That's why. That's why. My daughter's here today. There was a lady by the name of Carol Eads. When my daughter was at the children's home... Carol Eads was her mom. We got to go see Miss Carol as she was passing away. Bailey sat down and wrote her this real long letter. Gave her, gave it to her. We brought her flowers. Drove to South Georgia to do it. Came home. Two months later, we heard Miss Carol had died, and we drove back down for the funeral. During the service, pastor was speaking, and he said, the last couple months were rough for Miss Carol, but she had this card from one of her former kids. Didn't say students, said kids. She kept this card by the bedside, and every day she would read that card, and it was the card that my daughter had given her. You don't have to be, you don't have to have kids to be a mom. Maybe your mom has passed away. Who's been your mom in her place? Maybe 
You didn't have a good relationship with your mom, and she's still living. Who is it that's filled that void? Because someone has. Whether it was an older neighbor or an older sibling, who is it that's done that for you? I could make a long list of that for myself. You don't have to be and to have children to be a mom. How do you respond then? What do you do today? What is it that you do today? What would be the natural thing for you to do? Well, you, you call and thank them. You go see them. So today, because I'm supposed to be the example for you guys, I thought I would do that. So Wendy's going to bring me her phone, and I'm going to call my mom right here in front of y'all. And I told her that if she cussed, I was going to kill her. Barry's mom is mom in my phone, and my mom is Penny Hiller in my phone. So we're either going to talk to my mom or Penny. See if y'all can hear it. Hold on. Can you hear it? Hey, Mom, what's going on? I just got back from church a little while ago. Remember, I told you not to cuss, right, Mom? Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I just got through doing a message about Mother's Day, and I wanted to call you because I'm supposed to be the example for everybody. Can you hear me good? Can you hear me real good? I can, yeah, yeah, I can hear you great. Okay. I'm supposed to be the example. So I'll tell everybody here, my brothers knew I was going to do this, and so they called to tell my mom what stories my mom should tell about me. So there was and a... I'm not going to... I can't say. There was a... I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at this. There was a story when I was one year old that involved me in a crib and poop, and I'll leave it at that. All right. So, yeah. mom, mom, I just wanted to tell you, I just wanted to tell you this, um, Whenever I was, uh, whenever, we, we had to move, whenever I went into high school, we had to move a lot. We moved around some and uh, moved away from Tennessee. And um, etched in my mind, though, Mom, for you, is we were at a mall when I was in, getting ready to go into ninth grade. We were at a mall. And um, my mom is about five, what, Mom, about 5'2", about 110 pounds soaking wet, something like that. Yeah. My, mom is, like that. my mom's tiny. And uh, I actually was, uh, I was at uh, a mall, and we were walking down the mall, and for some reason, my mom thought that there were some kids, some older kids that had come by, and they didn't look real nice. And my mom thought they were making fun of me. They thought, she thought they were laughing at me. And I want to tell you guys, my mother said, hold on a second. And she turned, she came out (laughs) fighting. She said, she, she turned around and went back there. And all I saw was her looking up at these guys, pointing them finger and giving them the business. So, um, and so, and I want to tell you guys something. And mom, I want to tell you something too. You have, you have always been my defender and I love you for it. Well, I'm a mom. That's my job. That's right. And you have, um, 
I can't say, and I've told you this before, I can't tell you how proud that I am, and I know your dad is, of you and what you've become and struggled and all you went through to get to where you are today. I just, I'm very proud of you. I couldn't, couldn't love you anymore. Sure I am. I brag on you all the time. <laughs> All right, Mom. Well, listen, I love you, and I'll call you later on, okay? There's not a dry eye here, by the way. There's guys literally crying. I'm looking I'm looking at dudes crying right now, Mom. I've been crying, too, in church today. He was emotionally there for me, too. So. I hear you. Well, I love I you. I love you, baby. I love you, Mom. And, uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Whoever it is, that filled that void for you, whether it was your biological mom or not. Why don't you call them today? Maybe you're there thinking, I would, but I can't because they're in heaven. Get by yourself sometime today. Thank God for that person being in your life. And I don't know all of the theology of whether or not they can hear you or not, but I'll guarantee you it's not going to hurt for you to say, thank you, Mom, for being my defender. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.